0: All right. Hey, Redeemer, good morning. Hey, okay, we're going we're to start off right away um, with a little involvement, okay? I'm going to need a show of hands. If you're online, use a little hand emoji, okay? Here's my question for you. How many of you were either kids or you had kids growing up in the 80s or 90s? Okay, if that was you, let me see your hand again in the chat. Put it in there, hand emoji. You grew up or had kids in the 80s or 90s? Okay, now if that's you, you're going to already know the answer to this. So. Um, if that was, when you were, if you were a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, and it was your birthday, and you had the choice of where to have your birthday party, the answer was always the same, All right? The first answer was always, you know, I want to go to Disney World, so we'll just, we're not going to spend every birthday at Disney World. That's not going to happen. I okay, so put that aside. But everyone had the same second answer. If you could choose where to have your birthday it was Chuck E. Cheese, right? Yeah. Chuck E. Cheese. Ch- Chuck E. Cheese was the place that had the little like mechanical animal band with like the, the bear that played the little banjo and the mouse on the keyboard and like the it was always like, nee, kinda of jerky and weird. Like that was Chuck. Chuck E. Cheese had the best pizza. It was so greasy that like one slice you wouldn't have to wear chapstick for a week. <laughs> like that's Chuck E. Cheese. But the best part of having your birthday on uh, at, at Chuck E. Cheese was the 15 seconds you got in the cash cube. Do you remember the cash cube? As a little kid, they'd have you put on safety goggles and you'd walk into this big glass box and on the floor are all these dollar bills, and they, 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 okay, when you're ready, you gotta grab those dollars. Ready, three, two, one, and then these fans would start blowing, and the dollar bills would start shooting out everywhere. And as a little kid, you're just like, I wanna grab all the money, and you're just, you're trying to grab things, but you have zero strategy because you're a kid, you have no idea what you're doing. You're just reaching at it, and, and, then, they, and then all of a sudden, you go, three, two, one, all the money drops, and like the best of us got three dollars. Like we were like, yeah, cool. Like, ask you it would, like you'd just shove a little kid in a box and go nuts for 15 seconds. If you wanted, it was like the one surefire way to exhaust a kid in 15 seconds. Like, you would come out of that thing just sweating bullets. And, and I say that because, like, 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 the picture of a little kid in a box, like just grabbing at all the money like with no real strategy, but like to me, that's like the perfect picture of, I think, how some of us have felt like life has been over the last few years. And for some of us, that's how, that's how you feel like your faith has been over the last few years. And it's the reason why many of us are feeling that fatigue today. So, if, again, if we haven't met, my name is Brian. I'm the executive director here at Redeemer. And we are in week two of a conversation that we're calling Faith Fatigue. And what we're doing is we're looking over these four weeks, we're looking at four different versions of faith that we often live into that we were never meant to live into. And, and when we choose to live into these, these versions of faith, we just, we're left fatigued. But what Jesus invites us into is a version of faith that is designed to transform our lives. And to, to transform the lives of others when we minister to them. Because like we said last week, that, that you are ministers. That when you choose to follow Jesus, you become the minister. That, that ministering to people is not the sole job of like the pastors or like the church staff. No, no, no. Ministering to people is your job too. That when you choose to follow Jesus, you become a minister. And a hurting world is so desperately in need of kind and compassionate and thoughtful ministers to pour in to people's lives. And now, now in this this conversation, we are looking at a person in the Bible, a guy named Paul. And we're specifically looking at Paul in in a book of the Bible called the book of Acts. And that's kind of what we're planting over these four weeks. We're looking at Paul in the book of Acts. Now, like Pastor Terry said, last week we looked at um, uh, uh, one of these versions of faith that leads to fatigue. We talked about borrowed faith. If you missed that, go back and watch that. Um, But this week, this week we're going to have a conversation around... What I believe most of us who are feeling fatigued in our faith, this is the reason why. In fact, this is the reason for me, this was the thing that God put on my heart that said, Brian, this is why you're feeling it right now. But the conversation we're going to have today is about a version of faith that I'm calling bandwagon faith. You guys have all heard the saying, jumping on the bandwagon, Right? Yeah, you jump on the bandwagon. This thing is happening and now, well, because your team is winning, you jump on the bandwagon, right? Now, now you're a big fan, right? You jump on the bandwagon. And that's what, that's what bandwagon faith is. Bandwagon faith, bandwagon faith is, is tying your faith to what is trendy. It's tying your faith to what is, what is trendy. Whatever just happens to be trendy in the moment, that's what you try to make your faith be tied to. Now, we're going we're gonna to look at a story in the book of Acts That I think paints a really incredible picture of what bandwagon faith looks like. And and as you go through this, for some of you, you're going to go, oh shoot, that's me. (laughs) So we're going to have to hang in there to the very end with this one. Ready? All right, we're going to jump in. We're going to be in Acts chapter 19. We're starting at verse 23. We're going to get all the way kind of to the end throughout our time together. So here's how the story begins. It says, about that time, whatever that time was, about that time, serious trouble developed in in Ephesus concerning the way. Now, if you remember from last week, the way is what they called Christianity back then. Okay? So, the way. So, there's, there's serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. So... So this, this news of Jesus is coming, right? That, that there's this news that, that this thing is changing the world, that, that, that something is developing, and now it's coming our way. And, and the first part of bandwagon faith, the first thing that is experienced is concern. It's concern. And this is really normal. I mean, that's like what we all go through when, when we hear about something new that's coming into our life. Because, because change oftentimes feels concerning, doesn't it? Because we don't know, is, is this going to be good? Is this going to be bad? Is this going to affect me? Is it going to affect my neighbor? Is this, how, how is this going to change things, right? We, we experience concern. And so this Jesus thing is coming, and, and this guy named Demetrius, he hears about it, and he's concerned. So, so what ends up happening, a little fast-forwarding here, um, he, he, he gathers kind of his employees right he's a silversmith, so he, he gathers all of his employees, employees and people who he kind of works with. And this is how the story continues. It goes, He called them together along with other employee, uh, uh, others employed in similar trades. And he addressed them as follows. So this is what he says to this group of people. He says, "Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. But as you have seen and heard this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess, worshiped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. Now, we all have friends that do this. And, and if we don't, the, the, then you're that friend, okay? We, we all have people in our lives who like to stir up drama. You have those people in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they like to stir up, they, they just like to stir the pot, right? And anytime that, that there's something new that's coming their way, like the, the alarms are sound, the red flags go up, right? And, and what these people try to do is they, they, they take that little bit of news and then they, they try to twist it in such a way that that favors what their opinion is. Can I put it a little bit differently? You see, what bandwagon faith does is it moves from concern to conspiracy. Conspiracy. <gasps> this Jesus thing is coming. What's going to happen to our business? What's going to happen to, 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 to Artemis? What's going to, what, are all, what are all the conspiracies that we can stir up? Now, now Christians, and I'm talking to myself here, when it comes to conspiracy, we are among the worst offenders. We are. I mean, here's how you maybe know you're dabbling in the realm of conspiracy. If, if you hear about something and ten minutes later you're talking about it like you're the expert, you're probably in the realm of conspiracy. If, 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 you, if, you're, if you hear something and you have this belief that, that well, well, everyone else is evil. Everyone else has evil motives except for me and my group. You're probably in the realm of conspiracy. If, if you think that you're part of a, of a group that has the secret truth that nobody else knows about and they just won't believe you, you're probably in the realm of conspiracy. But this is the one that got me. When you find yourself creating an us- versus them dynamic. You're in the realm of conspiracy. You see, that's what bandwagon faith does. Bandwagon faith will always catch you up in in that us versus them kind of dynamic. Uh, Bandwagon faith will always pit you against someone else. And as long as you are against someone else, you won't be able to minister to them. You, you won't be able to minister to those people, and you are called to be a minister. And what you and I need to remember is that those people, those people were worth Jesus dying for. So we move from concern to conspiracy. But then here's, here's how the story picks up. So he, he, he gathers all these people and he has this big raw kind of moment with them. He, he, he throws the conspiracy theories out. And then this is, this is what happens with this group. It says, it says, at this, their anger boiled and they began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And soon the whole city was filled with confusion. It begins with concern and then conspiracy which moves to confusion Who, who's into sports here yeah my sports people okay okay okay. This, these are my people sport as you know especially in minnesota when it's sports season it's and right now it's minnesota twins season how many of you been to a twins game so far yeah, okay, I have not gotten to a Twins game yet, but but uh, I I love my Twins. When I, it doesn't matter if it's home or away, whatever, if I ever go to a Twins game, I am rocking my, my Twins gear. Anybody have Twins gear? You rock these at the games? Yeah, actually. Th- weird, this is my wife's hat. I've got a different hat, but it's just, it, I like this one better. So this is Abby's hat. Um, but when I go to a Twins game, I rock the jersey, I support my team, I am all in, even when they're terrible. which. Minnesota! So, um, so I, I rock the gear, but I, as much as I love the twins, I gotta say, even more than, than like baseball, I am a football fan. Where are my football fans? Okay, a couple of you are, okay. Football, when, it's, when, when football season comes around, I, I am all in when it comes to football, so I wear my Vikings. But this is a Favre jersey. Do we talk about this still? Is this still okay to, like, can I rock a, I don't know that I can wear a, a Favre jersey. Can I do this? No, I don't think I should wear a, should I wear, I might, no, I don't think I should wear, I, I got other j- jerseys here. I'll, I'll you know what, I'll do this one. I'll do my, my throwback Bridgewater jersey. How about that? Good old, some good old Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and I'll, you know, when I go to the bike, but, well, shoot, can I wear a Bridgewater jersey? Is that okay? I mean, I mean that, that, that kind of became a big deal. Like, he, he was one of the people who took a knee during the National Anthem. Can I, can I wear this? What will, what will people think of me if I, if I wear this? Well, you know what? Actually, maybe I should wear this because, because when they took a knee, like, that was an important issue. So maybe, oh gosh, but I got family members who might. Okay, so maybe, okay, maybe I, maybe I won't do that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try on a little bit of a different jersey and do, and do this one and get off of here and do this one instead, right? I mean, because then, then, you know, I could put on some different jerseys and like rock, rock this one or this one, but. You know, but when, when we move from, from sport, and, because I also know that there's other conversations happening around, but, you know, especially around like, like now, didn't you guys just hear, like, they're, they're, there's now like a in court, in session about, about January 6th? Do you guys remember that? Oh man, and now people are talking about this? Well, oh, okay, well, well you, you all know that that was Trump that did that, right? You know that that's what happened. Well, okay, maybe it wasn't him. Actually, I, I, heard, I heard that it wasn't Trump, it was, it was Biden. Biden was at the, at the root of it. Didn't you hear that too? I heard that that's what was going on. You know what, it, it, the, the whole thing was, was just, you know what, I don't, I don't think I could even wear that anymore. I think, I think this is where I need to, ooh, but what will people think of me? Because if I, if I wear this one, well then what will this group think of me? But, okay, but it wasn't just, because it, I, I heard the whole thing was, was you know, triggered by all, all the things that were going on around, around racism. Well, that's not a big deal, is it? Well, isn't it? I mean, what about when people get shot? Like, isn't it? Well, well who, who was it that got, that got shot, right? Was it, was it someone who was black? Was it someone who was white? Was it someone who was Asian? What was it? Well, does it matter? Well, how could it not matter? Are you kidding me? Well, 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 come on, you're making a pretty big deal about that. That's not my experience. Well, just because this wasn't your experience. Okay, well, we can't talk about this, though. Because if I, if I wear this one, well, oh, shoot, okay. So maybe I can't actually, can we just talk about something different? Can we, can we go somewhere else? Can we? Okay, let's just go here, right? We're talking about Roe versus Wade now. Oh, gosh, we're not doing this, are we? Because I, I heard that they're going to overturn it. Well, they're not, come on, they're not actually going to do that. Well, but they're going, I heard that they're going to. That's a big deal. That, that's what, you know what? Well, Shouldn't they overturn it? Isn't that, isn't that maybe a good thing? Well, it can't be a good thing. Are you kidding me? How could that be a good thing? Well, what about, what about her rights? Shouldn't, he, shouldn't she have the choice to choose? Well, isn't, isn't that a human life? Well what 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 where's the dad in this whole thing? Well we can we can't do that. Okay, well well okay. Well how how about this? Well well shoot. Now I don't like either of these. So we got to Okay, can I can we maybe we can just take a different But this is Jason Desha. We can't, we can't <laughs> What's that doing here? Pastor Jason, how did you sneak into this thing? Okay, well, okay, so, so maybe we won't talk about those things, because, because I know that these are really touchy subjects, and, but, if I, but if I don't take a side, well, then what, I mean, what will my friends think? My, my friends, I know my friends all, all think and, and, and believe this way, but, but man, I really actually kind of think and, and, and believe this way. I mean, you know, my, my church, my church said this thing one time, so maybe I should wear that jersey, because my, ooh, but, but I heard this other church, actually, that, that this church, this, this church actually, you know, believed this thing over, and, but... You know what? I, I can't even wear it back. There's a name on the back. I can't, I can't support a name. And you see, what, what happens is, if I can get enough people angry, if I can get, get enough people triggered by the conversations that we're, have, that we're having, and if I, if, 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 I, if I can trigger you, if I can ask enough questions, and if I can, if I can cause enough confusion, then eventually, What I can do is I can get you to forget that you're the minister that you were called to love. That that's as Jesus followers, that's who you you were created to be. But see what we do is 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 we get sucked into the confusion, right? That, that we get all concerned about these things that are happening in the world. We, we 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 hear all the conspiracies, and some of them are just so ridiculous, and some of them sound so well. Maybe that's true, and, and so we buy in because now we can be part of the group, and and and, if, if, and we get so confused, and we get so caught up in the confusion that eventually, eventually we forget why we're here in the first place. And now I have to pick sides, because if I don't pick a side, well, then I'm everyone's enemy, and now nobody likes me. And we get sucked into the confusion, and our faith begins to look like this. A mess, because we're just trying to swap jerseys, and who can we, who can we please? Who can we, who can we make, make happy? And, and who, who do we not care if we, if we offend, right? Who can we, who, who can we be against? We move from concern to conspiracy to confusion. And so all these people are kind of in a riot, this big arguing. You know, people are confused, they're not sure what's going on. And so they gather the whole city and they gather them into this giant amphitheater. And here's what happens next it says, Inside the people were all shouting. Some one thing and some another thing. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. See, what bandwagon faith does is it moves us from concern. And then it moves us to conspiracy, to confusion. And then we fall into conformity. Conformity. What we do is we find ourselves thinking and acting and talking and behaving like the rest of the world instead of being the ministers that we were called to be. Loving our enemies, loving people, caring for those who need care. Now, now that's bandwagon faith, and for some of you, the reason you are feeling fatigued in your faith today is because you got caught up playing this game. This is the thing that God called me out on, Brian. This is what you're doing. Now, if you um, if you were paying attention closely, you saw that there is something missing from the stories that I just read. Intentionally, I left Paul out of the whole story. Isn't this supposed to be about Paul? Are we focusing on that guy? What I want to do is I want to go back. I want to look at part of the story again, and I want to show you how Paul engaged with this whole thing. And I want to show you that how, how this man's extraordinary faith played out. In fact, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to help us and, and, and give it a little bit of a name, and so, so what I want to show you is that Paul had anchored faith. Now, if you remember, bandwagon faith is is tying your faith to what is trendy. Anchored faith. Anchored faith is anchoring your faith to what is unchanging. And I want to show you the way Paul lived this out in this moment. So let's back up a little bit. And I want to look at what Paul did. So here... This guy stirred up all this confusion. He stirred up all this conspiracy. All the people were in a tizzy and frustrated. They're trying to figure out whose side they're on. Everybody's rushing to the amphitheater. And this is where our story picks up. It says, everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. These were guys that Paul was doing life with. These were guys that were, were doing ministry, who were ministering with Paul. It says, but, and Paul wanted to go in too. And I want, to, I want to pause there. It seems like such a minor little nothing of a, okay, yeah, Paul wanted to go in too. What, but do you remember why this whole thing went down? Because of Paul. Right? I mean, that was the concern that, hey, this thing is happening, and Paul is the one who was causing it, right? All throughout the world, this this Jesus movement that's happening. Paul is the problem. He's the one that we are angry at. He's the one that we should be upset about. What what I need you to know is that if Paul went into the amphitheater, if Paul went in there with the riot that was going on, he would have been killed. He's He's the reason everyone there is gathered. Because they're angry and confused and have heard the conspiracies about him. And yet Paul wanted to go in. You see, anchored faith lets faith determine values. Faith determines values. See, if, if, if Paul valued being safe, he wouldn't have gone in. If Paul, valued, um, if, 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 if Paul valued being comfortable, he wouldn't have gone in. If Paul valued being popular, he wouldn't have gone in. If Paul valued good manners, he wouldn't have gone in. But you see, what Paul valued, what Paul's faith told him to value, was love. And more specifically, the kind of love that Jesus showed him. The kind, of, the kind of love that would that would sacrifice for your sacrifice yourself for the sake of other people. The, the, the kind of love that would that would give of yourself even your own life for the sake of another. You see, for Paul, when he looked at the situation and he saw what was happening to his friends, he didn't go, oh shoot, well I just ooh, good luck, you guys. No, no, no. Because his faith, his faith called him to love and care about those people. See, Paul didn't let the, his values determine his faith. Paul let his faith determine his values. That's what anchored faith does. So the story continues. It goes, so, so Paul wanted to go too, but the believers wouldn't let him. And that makes sense, right? Like, dude, you're going to die don't go in. We need you. You're like the leader of this movement. Don't go in. The believers didn't want him to go in. But here's the part that just caught me was, but some of the officials of the, of the province, friends of Paul, also sent message to him begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Again, it's such a small little, what, who cares? But you know who the officials were? These people who, who were Paul's friends, you know who those officials were? The officials were the ones who were, in, who were responsible for gathering people and orchestrating the, the Roman games, right? The, the, the games that, that were designed to be worshipping the gods of Rome. Right? That's who these officials were. The officials were the ones who, who were supposed to, to, to create the chariot races, right? So that people could rally around and worship to the gods. They, they were the ones who, 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 who were supposed to orchestrate all the different battles that would happen, you know, because the games are happening and we're going to fight each other for the gods, for the pantheon of gods. That's who these officials were. And yet, Paul saw those officials as people who could still be friends. Can I put this in a point? Anchored faith doesn't make enemies. Now, here's the deal. When people looked at Paul, they said, That guy's my enemy, right? But when Paul saw other people, he never saw an enemy. You see, what I love about this is that the whole, the, the riot, this crowd that was going on, they all worshiped Artemis. The officials, they worshiped the pantheon of gods. Paul, Paul could have made a list a mile long of all the reasons why, 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 why he should not like them, all the reasons why they're wrong, all the reasons why, why those people are the enemy. But that's not why Paul was there. Paul wasn't there to make enemies. Paul was there to let people loved by Jesus know that they were loved by Jesus. Because Paul was a minister. Anchored faith doesn't make enemies. And then this last part I want to point out, it says, at last. So this chaos is happening and and at last the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. You've brought these men here but they haven't, they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. Isn't that fascinating? That the, the, the mayor can come into town and all these accusations are flying, all these, these conspiracies are going on, all these things are going around, and the mayor finally grabs their attention and goes, you guys, here's what's true. Paul, this guy who has this incredible passion for Jesus, right? And this guy who's just on fire for, for people knowing the love of Jesus, this guy who, who's, whose faith was transforming the lives of people around him, that there are people of other faiths that were becoming followers of Jesus. This guy who was on fire for Jesus never once belittled or demeaned or spoke against their God. Isn't that that wild? I mean, Paul didn't choose love only when it was easy. Can I put this in a point? Anchored faith? Anchored faith lives without compromise. You see, I think for so many of us, the reason that we get caught up in this game is because we don't think critically. We don't find better solutions. That we don't believe that we have a God who is bigger than the options presented to us. So we let values determine our faith, and we, we pit people, us, against them, and, and we go, well, I know, maybe, maybe this isn't what Jesus would do, but, uh, but uh, maybe I'll twist that and try to, yeah, Jesus would totally do that. But you see, for Paul, he lived without compromise. He didn't wait for it to be convenient to love people. He loved people, even at risk to himself. As the whole thing winds down, as people go home and it ends like this it says, When the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. See, when you choose to live with anchored faith, you always leave your heart open to be a minister to people, to love people, even those who see you as their enemy. You leave your heart open to care for them because they are cared for by God. You are cared for by God. This morning, if you are here and, and honestly, like, this whole conversation has maybe gotten you a little fired up or, or you're, you're looking at this and you're going, this whole bandwagon faith idea, yeah, that's me. That's why I'm exhausted. That's why I, I stopped telling people about Jesus. That's why I stopped serving my community, my church, my neighbors, I stopped stop ministering to people. And you go, that's the reason why, because I got so caught up in all the things happening over these last few years. Then today, what I want to invite you to is to give up this bandwagon faith. This kind of faith that you were never intended to have and trade it in for an anchored faith. A faith that is anchored in the reality that you are loved by Jesus. A faith that is anchored in the reality that you are called by Jesus to love people, to serve people, to care for people, even your enemies, especially your enemies. Today what I want to do is I want to, I want to give each of us an opportunity to respond. That, that for some of you today that you're looking at this and you're listening at this and going, yeah, that, that's how my faith has wandered. That's why I've wandered away from God. And today, if that's you, if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity in just a minute to decide that this is the moment I'm going to recommit my life to Jesus. And there's others of you in this room, too, that maybe you've never had a faith in Jesus before. And maybe because, you know, someone, you're looking in on on what's happening in the church and with Christians and you, you see all the dysfunction and all the anger and all the bitterness and, 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 and how people are just jumping on the bandwagon. and Maybe for you, that's just been so off-putting. And, and maybe this morning, the idea that there's a God who loves you, even though maybe you don't agree with all the things. Maybe today for you, that's a defining moment and God stirring something in you and today is the day where you decide to follow Jesus. To give your life to him, to make him your savior, to make him your Lord. And today, if that's you, if you want to say yes to Jesus today for the first time, I want to give you an opportunity to to respond as well. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Church, together, would would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? And if you're here, and that idea of saying, yes, I need to recommit my life to Jesus, if that's you, or if you're here and you're saying, I need to give my life to Jesus for the very first time, if that's you, right now, with everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you to raise your hand high in declaration of saying yes to Jesus. Do that right now, if that's you. I want you to raise your hand. Beautiful. 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 Online, if that's you, put up the little hand emoji. Let me see you. Beautiful. I right, can put your hands down. Redeemer, here's what I need us to do. With your, your heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to pray this prayer together. Because, because making a decision to follow Jesus, it's something you do in a moment. But following Jesus is something we do every day. And so, so together, we are going to pray these words together. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I want you to repeat these after me because we do this walk of faith together. So, so Redeemer, let, 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 w- would you pray this after me? Heavenly Father. Sorry that I've sinned against you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Send your Holy Spirit to live in me. Today I say yes to following you. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate those who said yes to Jesus today? You guys, it is exciting because I I told you, the kind of faith that Jesus invites us into is is the kind of faith that transforms lives, that will transform your life, is a kind of faith that Jesus will use you to transform the lives of other people when you choose to minister to them. And and today, if that was you, you, if you raised your hand, if you said yes to Jesus, and you're here in this room, after the service, I want to invite you over to a blue table over here. Because although you made a decision right now, I want to help you make your next decision to follow Jesus, to take your next step in faith. And what we want to do at the Blue Table is simply pray for you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to give you next steps so that you can continue this journey of faith, that, that what happened here today doesn't stay here today. And if you need to run or if you're online, I want to invite you to go to RedeemerMN.org slash next steps. And right there, we're going to have opportunities, resources for you to take your next steps as well. Redeemer, can I in- invite you to just stand, stand together right now? I, I want to I pray a blessing over us because I believe that, that over these four weeks, Jesus is going to be setting some people free. That Jesus is going to be transforming lives. That I believe that in these four weeks, Jesus is going to be stirring in you to get back to the work of ministering so that more people would know the love of Jesus for them. So let me pray for us together before we go. Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who loves. I thank you that you are a God who calls us to minister. And for each and every one of us in this room, for each and every one of us gathered online, would you stir in us the kind of faith that doesn't just jump on a bandwagon, but truly allows our faith to determine values. That allows our faith to move us forward. That love would be the defining characteristic of who each and every one of us is. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Redeemer, go and have an incredible week. Go live transformed.